All good, all good. Well, welcome. Uh, we are in week two of our vision series for this year called The Spring is Welling Up. And man, what a weekend it was last weekend. It was so good to be together. Those of you who aren't aware, last weekend was our 10-year anniversary as a church and we celebrated. Um, it was great. We had a wonderful weekend together. We had Saturday night, we had a celebration dinner where we just, there were so many stories told and testimonies given and Weird photos and, you know, like all, you know, everything that you expect, right, uh, you know, over the, over the evening and it was an amazing time of just reflecting and just reminding ourselves again of God's goodness and faithfulness over a decade uh, of showing up in our midst of lives that have been changed, you know, um, and, and just so celebrating God's goodness. And then to come together, all together, wasn't it good to be in one place all together last Sunday? I thought so. Anyone else? I can't hear you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Joy. Uh, it was great to be together. And, and I think that the, um, yeah, uh, what a wonderful celebration. We started leaning in last week into uh, reminding ourselves again of this story in John chapter 4 that, that, that really lays such a foundation for us as a church community around our vision and our values and those things that shape our community together. And, um, and I felt really, you know, prompted by the, the Spirit, I think, in preparing for this series to almost prophetically just declare over us, the Spirit is welling up. God is doing this. It's not of our making. It's not of our manufacturing. God is at work. He is always at work, but it seems He's especially active right now. And I think the thing that's most encouraging to me is that we're attuning ourselves increasingly to it. We're more aware of it. We're more maybe awake to the presence and activity of God in our midst. Um, and so we're seeing and hearing stories. You know, we're yet to hear the full unfolding of what God did through prayer week. That'll come. You know, we, we look forward to hearing and sharing some more of those stories. But even last week, being together uh, for the 10-year anniversary and just hearing stories of the Spirit is at work with individuals and, and, and this, this family here and those people there. And, you know, I'm not going to share all these stories, but, but there were several Holy Spirit encounters across last weekend even of people even at the dinner, at a celebration dinner and the Spirit's at work nudging people in different ways at the, at the dinner. You know, like that's... A little bit unexpected, I'll be honest, for me, that was a little bit unexpected, but so I, I thank God for His goodness and His faithfulness. Same thing happened on Sunday morning with more people encountering the presence of God and responding to it in faith. And that, that just honestly makes me so, so excited um, and, 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 and so deeply encouraged. And so I feel, you know, as I've kind of just journeyed on like uh, over the last week man just feel like I'm still buzzing you know like living on a bit of a high um, uh, just in in thanks and and, and such um, gratitude to God such gratitude to God for his goodness with us so we're going to look in John chapter 4 if you've got your Bibles I encourage you to open up so we're going to look in John chapter 4 uh, this this story where last week we shared and I really anchored, uh, anchored the message last week around Jesus' words down in verse 14. But, um, it, you know, this is where Jesus and his, and his disciples, they come and they come across the well in the middle of, you know, outside of the village in, in Samaria. And then and there's this, there's this uh, uh, exchange that happens between Jesus and the Samaritan woman that's come there in the middle of the day to draw water. And uh, in this exchange, they've started going back and forth. And, and Jesus, they start talking about this living water that Jesus promises. And 
she, uh, and she says, you know, where can I get this living water or this magic water, she kind of says flippantly. And Jesus answered her in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is what God is doing in our midst. A spring of water is welling up uh, to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I, I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And throughout this story, you know, this story in John chapter 4 really gives shape to our mission statement as a church where we, in one sentence, try and sum up and, and summarize what it is that happens throughout this whole uh, story in John chapter 4. And we say it like this. We say we want, to be about, we want to be a church. We want to be a community of people that are serious about awakening people to experience and express the depth of God's love. And we see it play out through the story where this woman is awakened to the truth of who Jesus is. When she first meets Jesus outside the well, she refers to him as sir, you know, or using the term Lord. It's just kind of like a polite, you know, kind of respectful term, sir. And later on she goes, I can see you're a rabbi, I can see you're a teacher. We'll see in, a, in just a minute, like actually this growing awakening, this awakening that happens in her own mind, in her own heart, in her own spirit to the fullness of, of who Jesus is. It continues. So just watch for that as we journey through the rest of the text. And that's what we want to be about. We want to be the kind of people who are being increasingly awakened to the fullness of who God is and His kingdom in our midst. That we would be so attuned to it that it would become like second nature to us that we're being increasingly, like, like continually, ongoing, regularly experiencing His love shed abroad in our hearts. That, you know, His grace that is lavished upon us. That we would have personal experiences of the love of God that meet us just exactly where we are and change us from the inside out so that we might go and be an expression of love to others. That's why we say we want to be about awakening people to experience and express the depth of God's love. We want to be people who live into that. That that be true of us personally, that be true of us collectively, and that be true of what we believe God wants to do in our city, in our region here in Ototahi in Christ church. So let's read on. Uh, verse 15, she says, you know, give me some of this water so I won't have to keep coming here to, to, to draw water. He told her, verse 16, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said, just said, is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. So we've moved from sir, rabbi, now prophet, right? In this woman's awakening to the truth of who Jesus is. Uh, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. 
the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. One of the most explicit claims to the divinity of Christ throughout the entire New Testament. Just then, His disciples returned and were surprised to find Him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what, do you, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Get this question, could he, this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward Him. Meanwhile, His disciples urged Him, Rabbi, eat something. See, they had left to go into town and buy food for lunch. You know, they were more concerned about lunch than they were what God was doing in this particular moment, right? Anyone relate to that? Yeah, maybe starting to worry about lunch now. Um, But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then His disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought Him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Get this, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That was her story, right? And she went and she shared it. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know, we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So we've moved beyond Jesus being just someone we respect and honor because he's being some good historical figure. He's more than just a rabbi or teacher who gives good life lessons and ways to order our world, our, our, way, our, our, our lives, right? He's more than a prophet who is able to speak about the things of God and foretell the ways of God. He's more than that. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, the awaited one. He is the Son of God. He is God incarnate, God in the flesh, God shown up in person right there. That's who He is. And He's made this abundantly clear in this, ta- in this passage. And the people are awakened to this reality and it's transformed their lives. And, I, and this, is, this is what we want to be about. We're seeing this happening in our midst when we think about the Spirit, uh, the, 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 the spring is welling up amongst us. The work of God is welling up increasingly amongst us. Thanks be to God, for He is so good. We're seeing love welling up. We're seeing grace that's flowing out of us in, in generosity towards others. We're seeing 
the fruit of the Spirit increasingly being a lived reality, not something that's just kind of removed and abstract, you know, but actually experiencing greater degrees of the life and fullness of Jesus in our midst as a community. And it thrills me. It excites me fully. The the spring is indeed welling up. Thanks be to God. And so last week, we shared a few things that we feel called as a church to be stepping into. And I just want to kind of go over those again in case you weren't there last week. I want to make sure everyone gets to hear about this because we want, to be, we want to be leaning into these things God is calling us to. Not because they're great strategies, not because we have it all figured out and we know what's best. No, we don't, is the truth. We're stepping in faith and trusting that God's going to continue to lead and guide us as we go. And So last week, when I was talking about the spring is welling up, well, I, I was talking about the work that we need to do in our own lives, the own, our own work of discipleship and formation, which is God's work, let's be honest. We are, not the, we are not the living water, right? He is the living water. We just know where to find it. And so we, we need to do all we can do to clear the clutter and clear the debris and clear the way for that living water to well up from within. That's the work of discipleship, friends. That's the work of, you know, like removing those things which would hinder the flow of grace, the flow of God's love and presence in our lives, whatever that might be, we remove those things so that the spring might well up inside of us. And we as a church have been doing some work over the last couple of years and far more intentionally over the next couple of years to reorient our entire adult discipleship pathway around a deep work of discipleship. That we be people who go deep into the person and ways of Jesus, that there be nothing that would hinder us, that we, we intentionally lean into formational communities together where we go on this journey of discipleship together, where we learn not only what it means to follow Jesus wholeheartedly in all of our lives and all of ourselves, but also what it means to lead others on that journey as well. And so we'll intentionally, over the next couple of couple of years be rolling this out and it'll be it'll be taking shape our life groups will go undergo a transformation uh, you know all of these invitations for us as a church family will be invitations for us to grow in spiritual maturity becoming increasingly like Jesus together we just know this is so important we need to prioritize it we need to get get after it and go hard because the spring is welling up let's be people who cooperate with that work of God rather than resist it or suppress it amen The second thing that we're leaning into is a deeper work, a deeper engagement and participation in God's kingdom more broadly. So we're going on mission, knowing that He has called us and sent us, uh, you know, that, that He wants to reach the whole world. And so we're looking locally and regionally and around our nation and globally for ways that we can partner and be a blessing, that we can bring an expression of the love of God. Like we did just this, the last couple of days, sending money straight away to, to, to help relieve those, you know, the impacted by the floods and, and uh, up north, you know, that we'd be able to do that more intentionally. And so we're reconnecting and, and strengthening our partnership in Gujarat. Uh, we're, with, the, with the Wesleyan Church there in Gujarat, Northwest India, where we've had a partnership, you know, it's been difficult to maintain over the last few years of COVID, but we're reconnecting and re-engaging and they do wonderful work, reaching many, many people in a difficult, persecuted part of the world. 
Um, and so we get to partner with them in seeing the gospel, you know, go forward in that part of the world. That we'd be, we'd be, we'd be looking for ways increasingly over the next couple of years to be going in mission. The other thing I shared last week is that we've committed ourselves to plant a church. We're going to send a church plant team by February 2025. So within, within the next two years, we, will, uh, we, we don't have it all figured out yet. We know it's going to take a great you know, kind of church planter and, and plant team. We know they're going to have to have a clear sense of calling to a people or place. We know that it's going to take tremendous resourcing and support to help see that thing go and launch well and launch healthy and be sustainable and all that kind of thing. We know that's what it's going to take and that's going to cost us. But we're committed to it because God called us to it. And so we go, we, we get behind this and we, we don't, like I said, we don't, we don't have the person or the place or any of those plans figured out, but we're committed to figuring out the plan as we go forward. And we've committed ourselves to that plan, trusting that God is going to lead and guide and provide as he, as he leads us forward. And then finally, we know in order for all of this to happen, we're going to need more and more leaders around the place. And when we talk about leaders, we're not talking about those who can, you know, run, just run great, great programs. We're not talking about, you know, like, like your, you know, those who can, I don't know, whatever, whatever you think about when you think about it. We're talking about leaders who know what it is to live out of their being with Christ that that would overflow in their doing for Christ. That they would know what it is. So they'd be so, uh, so like, um, formed so well and deeply in the ways of Jesus that it becomes like second nature for them. And not only for them, that they actually know what it takes to disciple others and to lead formational communities, to grow stronger and deeper in their own faith. And what it means to, you know, that, that, that's, that's the kind of leadership development. We need, we need disciple-making leaders. And so we're committing ourselves to raising up and training and equipping and resourcing pastoral, discipling, you know, kind of leaders in our midst. We're going to need a lot of it if, if this is going to, you know, if God's going to do what He's going to do. And so we're just trying to cooperate and align our efforts with what it seems like God is doing in our midst. Does that make sense? So while we don't fully have all the details and all the nitty-gritty figured out, we're going to go for it and trust that God's going to reveal and make clear each step of the way. Let me tell you why. That's all the what. But probably the most important thing is actually the why. And this is what I want to spend the rest of the time talking about this morning. The why behind those what's is in this second half of the story. It's in the second half of this story where, you know, we, we see Jesus tells her about this living water that, you know, is welling, the spring is welling up and it's, it's this beautiful blessing and incredible imagery. Like later in John chapter 7, Jesus in a, in a, in a public gathering and stands up and shouts, hey, you know, the living water is welling up from the inside and overflowing. It's, this, is, this is what's happening. But you see here, this text down here in... Um, when the disciples come back, they find Jesus talking and they've come back from, you know, getting lunch and whatnot. And then they're like, hey, hey, rabbi, teacher, have something to eat. And Jesus says this, no, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. What is he talking about? Food to eat that you know nothing about. Food to eat. What, what's, he, what's he talking about? Has he, has he actually, you know, and they immediately go, well, has someone kind of like slipped him something? Has someone kind of, you know, provided for him? We didn't know it while we were away and, you know, all of this. No, no, no. He says in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me 
and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Church is people who are committed to following Jesus, committed to patterning and modeling our lives after our Savior, Jesus. We too have the opportunity to discover this kind of food that he's talking about. My food, he says, is to do the will of him who sent me. The will of him who sent me to the best of our ability, we have discerned. And, and this has been true of our church. You heard some of this last weekend over the anniversary. The, 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 the dream and the vision of the well was always, that was not just that we would be a life-giving and vibrant, healthy church for Ototahi Christ Church. Was, the dream for this church was always that we would be a resourcing and sending church that we would be a blessing far beyond here and our community, that we would be planting other churches and helping resource and equip and, and encourage and love and bless and serve far beyond us. That's always been true of us. That's what God called us here in the first place to be about as a church family. And it continues to be true. And yes, it'll be really easy in this season. Here's the, here's the tricky part, right? It would be really easy for us actually in this season where you might have noticed we've been growing a bit as a church and it would be really easy for us as a church to kind of just go, oh, well, let's just kind of, you know, like get a little bit more shored up. Let's just kind of consolidate. Let's just settle in, you know. Things have been shifting and changing a bit. Let's make sure everyone's, you know, like all squared away and they've got their life group and they're serving on a ministry team. Let's just kind of make sure everything's shored up and our systems are good and we've got good practices and let's just kind of do all this stuff and make sure we It'd be real easy for us to lean back, to settle in, to you know, shore up and consolidate, but that's not what God's calling us to. I think if we did that, we would miss out on the food that Jesus is talking about. That might be more like the disciples running into town to get lunch. That might be that kind of a move. But instead, Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I've got some other food. And I don't know about you, but I want to taste that stuff. That's going to be the good stuff, right? I want some of that food. I want to lean in. I want to be more serious about seeing that. Here's the other, here's the other dynamic. I'm, I'm afraid if we were to just kind of lean back and settle in and, you know, like shore up, uh, you know, like that kind of a, if posture as a church, if we were to do that, I'm afraid that the, um, the reality is that the spring would actually stop welling up. If I can say it that bluntly. Not because we control what God does. He could still do what He wants to do. But because God comes where He's wanted, remember? God moves and works where He's wanted. And, and His intention has always been that He would form people deeply in the image and likeness of Christ so that they would be a blessing to others. That our, our journey into formation has always been for the sake of others. And you can't read this text where Jesus says, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me removed from its context. Think about, the, like, like read on. See the context that he's talking. Right on the heels of that, he says, here's, here's the will of my Father, the one who sent me. What is, it, what is the will of my Father? He says, look around. They're standing at a well outside of a Samaritan village looking out at fe Samaritan fields. 
And he says, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. The will of the Father is to see everyone be awakened to the truth, the fullness of who he is, that everyone might experience for themselves the love of God and that everyone might be formed in ways that we could be an expression of his love to others for the sake of others. This is what God's always been about. This is what our church has always been about. And this is what we give ourselves to. This is where we discover that food that the disciples at this point knew not of, that we actually get to join him in in reaching more and more people as we send and as we bless and as we go and and here's the thing it's all well and good for me to talk about this and say this is what we're about as a church and you can all sit back there and go yeah 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 I'm so glad our church is doing this friends I don't know what we mean when we say our church is doing this it'd be much better to say I'm so glad my church is doing this you hear the difference in posture where we personally take ownership because the truth is we could just you know go oh yeah our church is doing this and blah 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 but our church isn't about programs it's not about this building it's not about our staff it's not about me our church is us it's you it's me we've all got to lean in We've all got to be taking ownership if we really want to see this spring welling up into the things that we think God is calling us to pursue. We've got to go on this journey together. We've got to. And here's the thing that really concerns me is that I actually sense that we are at a tipping point, not just at a church, as, at a church level, but at a personal level and at a family level. I'm going to get a bit honest. This is Clint Unfiltered coming, if, if that's all right. I get, a little, I get a little concerned, friends, when I have conversations over and over and over with people these days. Over the last couple of months, it's just happened so many times where the dominant theme in response as we issue invitations to get involved in what God's doing and partner in and let's do this and could we do that? And, 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 and then the dominant thing I hear over and over again is like, no, no. It's not the right time. Oh, I don't know if I have the capacity for that right now. Well, when will you? Sorry, I'm getting a bit, <laughs> I'm getting a real, a really, really uh, like down, down and dirty. But it, it, I, hey, but I say this, I say this, like with full love in my heart because I understand how we get, how we got there. Let me trace it out for you. I understand. This is a natural human response. I feel it in myself. I do. Here's the, here's, the, here's the thing that's going on. On a macro level, it seems like our world is in utter chaos and confusion. There is so much uncertainty. Geopolitically, our world has been at war for forever. Right? It seems like it's just been like, like, like our... our um, I, I remember talking you know, with, with Evie, who's soon to be 16, our eldest daughter... There's not a point in her entire life when there's not been some significant global conflict going on. We live in a world geopolitically that's in turmoil and chaos and has been for a really long time. We live in a world where natural disasters aren't the exception anymore, they're now the norm. 
They're happening increasingly. The environmental issues going on in our world are increasingly complex and challenging and frequent, right? We see this happening all over the place. The financial you know, condition we find our in with the cost of living going through the roof and, and, and people's inability to keep up. And, and this, is, this is like, so we, we, we live in a world with so much uncertainty, so much unknown that the human response, the natural response in light of all of that, and we see this everywhere, is to consolidate. Let's shrink things down to what I can control. Right? That's a natural human response. I get it. I feel it myself. I just think it, 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 it's, it's problematic when it comes to issues of faith. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but we want to shrink things down to what we can control. We may not be able to control the global financial crisis that's going on around the world, but we can control what we put in our mouths. So we're seeing the rise of trends like clean eating right? Where we're seeing the rise of trends around, you know, different things like that that's around what I can control for me and my household. That's where it gets focused. And it's a reduced view. and, and, And here's the thing, we're being more shaped by that cultural ideology in response to the macro trend than we are the Word of God. That's where the problem comes when it comes to discipleship. Because Jesus says, my food is to do the will of my Father who sent me and to finish His work. What was that work? It was to go. It was to pay the price. It was to sacrifice. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we all need to overextend ourselves in serving and signing up for serving in all the ministries at church so that you're here five days a week or, or, you know, you know, it's not about that. No, it's not about earning kind of spiritual merit badges. That's not what we want. In fact, we want you to do less. We want you to bring your life under control. We want you to, 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 to free up more space and time and margin so you can be with Jesus and fully attune ourselves to the things that God is saying so that, not so that we live this confined, restricted, uh, limited life. That's human, that's finite. But we do that so that we're freed to say a bigger yes to the things God's inviting us into. We do that so that we can hear and discern more clearly the things He is calling us to step into. And when God says go, we say yes. We may not have all the resources. We may not have all the capacity. The sums may not stack up in a way that makes sense for us in terms of how this is going to all pan out. But we say yes. And so we've, we've, we've done the work of creating margin and space in our lives through the work of discipleship so that we're freed up to say yes more fully to Jesus and His things, His ways, His kingdom work happening in our world. Does this make sense? Are you with me? I think it's important for us to acknowledge these realities. I know it's, I know it's not like pleasant or comfortable, right? You're, like I'm not trying to be real harsh and I'm, that's, that's not it at all. It's genuinely motivated from a place of love for me. Um, and, and, and I get the tendency, I, I do. But we've got to resist it. Because the thing is, if we approach discipleship, if we approach church, if we approach our faith based on what we can control, 
that's far too limited that's far too small God has something so much more the spring is welling up he says my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work what is that open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest that we would give of ourselves for the sake of others that they might be awakened to the truth of who Jesus really is that they might more fully experience His love, His goodness, His grace for them, meeting them right where they're at. Why? Because we showed up and made Him known, right? This is what we're called to be about as a church. And we'll only get there if each of us personally say, yes, I'm in. This is the journey I'm going on. I'm committing myself to this. this is, and these are the people I'm going to do it with. Look around. This is the crew we're going to do it with, Right? It's not about programs, it's not about me, it's not about anything. This is about us collectively together saying, yes, I'm going to play the part that God is inviting me to play. Even when it feels like sacrifice, even when it feels costly, because I want some of that food that the world knows not of. Imagine how those disciples must have felt after paying the price of awkwardness and stretched out of their comfort zone what am i talking about remember jesus they you know the samaritans came out of the village and they said hey stick around for two days stick around and so jesus is like all right we'll stay for two days think about these disciples they've been formed their whole lives to avoid samaritans they're to be despised they're to be like absolutely avoided non-stop and, and so here they are for two days living in the same village literally would have been living in their houses, sleeping in, in the room next door and sharing meals across tables with those that their whole lives they'd been told to despise and avoid. Think about awkward. Think about paying, paying the price, like the, the, the cost, the sacrifice. But think about the thrill that they would have experienced after those two days of sharing from table to table and house to house. Each of them would have been sharing around the, the whole village, would have been sharing about the truth of who Jesus is. They would have been telling the stories of what they'd seen Jesus do with them on the way that brought them to this, this village outside, of, you know, in Samaria. Like they would have been telling, they would have been part of sharing the good news and helping people be awakened to the truth of who Jesus is. And so when it comes to them leaving after two days, imagine what their spirits might have been like when it says, many, almost the whole village said, we no longer believe just because of the woman's story and testimony, but because we ourselves have seen this is indeed the Son of God. That's food that the world knows not of that's soul food you know what i'm talking about that's spiritual food that's where god adds his exponential multiplying increase within us and you go oh that is so worth it the people are blessed because they get to awaken to experience god's love and we are blessed because we get the thrill of being used by him to make him known Come on, any of you who have ever experienced the thrill of being used by God, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's food this world can't compete with. That's the good stuff, right? And this is the invitation for us as a church, that we would lean more into that rather than sit back and consolidate and play it safe. Are you with me, church? I'm in.
Amen. The last 10 years, I'll be honest, it's cost a lot. It's cost a lot. So worth it. And I'll never forget. Because God takes me back to it regularly. (laughs) Uh, I'll never forget when we were here in between the two earthquakes. Jamie and I came on a discernment trip to really discern and test is this where you're leading us, God? And we felt like we needed to be in the place with the people. And so we came in, in it was like end of October, um, you know, after the September quakes, before the February ones, and we were here. And, um, and we'd here for several days. And we were like, we need one of those like voice from heaven moments. You know, like, we, like we're about to pack up our young family and move across the world to a city we know nothing about, to a place where we know no one in order to start a church. God, we need to know that this is what you're wanting. This is your will for our lives, right? Um, and so we're, we're looking for that like voice from heaven kind of moment. You know, the, the, the earth shaking and the, I mean, that, I shouldn't say that in Christchurch, but you know, that kind of a thunder and lightning kind of moment. You know what I'm talking about. That's what we were after and, and, and kind of, if I'm honest, expecting. I was expecting it. And after three or four days walking around town, it didn't come. It didn't happen. And we were just a few hours from our plane, like we were supposed to go on a flight back to Auckland for the National Conference of the Wesleyan Church, and we're going to be part of that up there. And, and uh, I remember feeling quite anxious and uneasy because we hadn't had that sense of confirmation. And so Jamie and I, that morning, we just devoted the whole morning to praying and seeking the Lord. We went up on the Port Hills, and that was when you could still drive along the Summit Road all the way along. So I can't even remember exactly where we were. We pulled off somewhere, and we stopped, and we prayed, and we went um, separated. Uh, each, each from each other because we're like if we're going to discern clearly from the Lord like I don't want to be um, persuading or corrupting you know Jamie's ability to hear from God and I don't want her doing the same for me so we kind of went our own ways and we're discerning we're praying there and, uh, and after a couple of hours we came back together at the car I remember um, like looking at Jamie going like we need clarity right we need to make a decision here I remember looking at Jamie and did you hear anything? I'm like, I didn't see any thunder and lightning or anything like that, but did you experience some? You know, like, um, and, and I think she spoke first and she's like, no, not really. And it was a really normal, unhyped, un, you know, like it was like really quite insignificant conversation in the scheme of things that became profoundly significant. Let me tell you what happened. And, uh, and, and she said, what about you? And I'm like looking through my journal and I'm like, yeah, not really. I just had the impression of this one verse that's still kind of sticking with me. And I read it out loud to her. I said, it's in the end of Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of harvest to send workers for his harvest field. And as I said that out loud on the port hills, looking over the city, it was the act of saying it out loud. Something shifted and it dropped in my spirit. And, 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 the, and the, message from, the message from God was, this is the harvest field I'm calling you to. And he promised that he would call and send others. And friends, as I look around, I go, you're, you're the answer to that prayer. And God continues to answer it over and over again. He is calling and sending others, not so that we can sit in a gray chair on a Sunday morning and enjoy good worship and pat each other on the back and go home. No, no so that we might be those workers, those laborers going into the harvest field week in and week out, day after day, not burning ourselves out, 
but laboring for the purpose of God's kingdom coming here and now on earth as it is amongst us. And we join with all of God's people across Ototahi in the region. There's wonderful churches that we get to partner with and serve alongside. But we uniquely play the role and the piece that God is calling us to play. And so we press into that. We lean into that. And I just believe for some of us, we can sit here and we go, yeah, Clint, I'm in. Thanks be to God. That's really encouraging but what is the bigger yes that you're saying to? Let me encourage you, do the work of discipling to reduce the spread of our lives that is running 100 kilometers an hour and spread, skimming across so many things so that we can go deep in the ways of Jesus. Do that. And then let's be people who wholeheartedly commit to saying yes and following Him. And maybe for some of you this morning, I just have the sense as I was praying at the, at the first service that there's some, some of you here this morning, when I say that, you immediately know what it is that God's inviting you to. That yes, that you've been, you've been reluctant about, you've been hesitant around, thinking, oh, maybe it's not the right time, maybe, oh, it doesn't seem to fully add up. And, uh, and I just think, for the sake of your own soul and your own spiritual health, let me urge you, say yes. Trust God to add the increase and to provide what's needed. And friends, as we do each week, we're going to close with a time of communion. And, and maybe this morning, that's, if that's you, this, this time as we gather around the Lord's table is a time for you to recommit and covenant with the Lord around that. To say, Lord, reframe and reshape my reduced, reductionist thinking, my scarcity mentality when it comes to things of faith and discipling and following you. Lord, break off those limitations and open me to all that you would have me do. Maybe for some of us, maybe for all of us, coming to communion this morning is, an, is, an act, is, is, is truly that communal act of the body of Christ gathering around one table, one loaf of bread, one cup, one Lord, one Savior. So we come together and say, I'm committing and covenanting with this body awkward and dysfunctional as we all might be that we're in this together and this is what we're this is yes i'm 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 in i'm not just going to sit back and say oh man our church this out no my church i'm going to take ownership here i'm going to buy in wholeheartedly so we're reminded that jesus on the night that he was betrayed he was gathered with his disciples around the table and he broke bread and when he broke it he says this bread is my body given for you Each time you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And then after the meal, he took the cup and and he says, this cup represents my blood that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So friends, as we come to the Lord's table, we come to a place of grace. We come to receive grace from the Lord Himself. And so anyone is welcome. You're welcome to come. Anyone is welcome who is seeking grace this morning. We invite you to the Lord's table. And you can come to either side. Uh, all, the, all the bread on the trays is gluten-free, you know, so we're all, 
uh, we're all welcome and all, <laughs> all able to commune together this morning. But let me pray as we prepare our hearts to receive from the Lord's table this morning. Lord, we do give you thanks that you are indeed working and moving, that the spring is welling up. God, that's not something that we can manufacture. That's not something we can do or even earn. It's not necessarily even anything we deserve, Lord. But we thank you for it. We thank you for the promise of living water. We thank you for that being on offer for us this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, we say, come, meet with us, minister among us now 